Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And a warning that there may be um, audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that have died. And we are broadcasting from the land of the Kulin Nations, where sovereignty was never ceded. Now this week is NAIDOC week. And NAIDOC week, week originally started as a time for protesting. And then in the 1920s, Aboriginal rights groups came together to boycott and draw attention to their rights. And these days, it still is about protest, but it's actually um, got a celebration tone as well. Although there are First Nations people that don't agree that there needs to be a celebration of NAIDOC. Everybody is different. And the Doing Time show prides itself on having um, people coming in, Aboriginal people and, and non-Aboriginal people coming in with a safe environment to discuss these issues. First up on the show, we'll be speaking with Uncle Colin Isaac and he is an artist and um, a First Nations um activist as well and has done a lot of work mainly with art and culture. So we're going to be speaking with him about NAIDOC, Treaty and um, some of what's been going on with his with his artwork and looking at, you know, colonisation as a whole and what he thinks of NAIDOC Week. And then after that we'll be speaking with David Glantz from the, uh, the Refugee Action Collective and he'll be doing a report back on um, what happened with the young Aboriginal teenager, Mr Walker, um, death in custody in the Northern Territory. There was a rally. Um, he will be doing a report back on that rally that happened a couple of weeks ago now. And we'll also talk about, give an update on refugees and asylum seekers and what's happening there. And actually, we have got Marianne McKay coming up as well, who is unexpected but wonderful. Marianne is a long-time Aboriginal activist who has done a lot of amazing work in Aboriginal, not just Aboriginal deaths in custody, but also supporting other women as well. Hello, Marianne. Welcome to the program. Hey, can you hear me okay? Yeah, it's great to have you, Marianne. We found yeah, you were missing in action, eh? Yeah, yeah. I've had medical issues where I had a stroke last year, like unexpected. So I've just been recovering from that as well as 
family obligations and my law degree as well. So trying to keep up with my studies through those health issues. You know, Marianne, you have got beautiful speech. That stroke has barely affected you. You've done you've done wonders. Oh, that's the ancestors, sis. You know, when it we're is. doing the right thing, they always make sure we're okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't been easy. So, talk to us. T- tell me what's been going on with you know the treaty stuff and the NADOC, you know, constitution, all of that type of stuff. The all of that. What's going on? Um, so in um, Perth, like Nunga country, um, a lot of stuff has been really slow because a lot of our families and mob that have been within the movement, we've had so much sorry business, um, you know, and issues with within, you know, DCP and deaths in custody and that, that we haven't been able to get out much in regards to, you know, protesting and things like that. So... But um, one of our young sisters, Jacinta Penny Miller, um, and sister Laura Coon, they um, organised a vigil for, you know, all black deaths in custody. Um, last Thursday night, we held it up at Parliament House. So we went along to support, and it was just a beautiful, moving um, tribute, if I can say that, you know, in regards to everyone that we've been losing in custody, you know. It's just 500-plus deaths in custody um, since the Royal Commission. It's just getting to a point now where people are just, you know, can't understand why more isn't being done. And Jacinta felt that a vigil, you know, might get to people's hearts, um, you know, taking that line instead of having another protest, you know. Absolutely, and that's that's great that that could happen. Yeah, yeah, it was just really emotional. Like everyone knows me, I'm I'm one of the first to get up on the mic, you know, and and have my say. Um, but when Jacinta called for everyone to come forward, you know, and have their say and talk about, you know, their family members or just to speak in general, um, because of the vigil and the way that they organised it, it was just so beautiful, but it was really emotional and I just, my feet were just planted to the ground, you know, I couldn't even, I couldn't move, just that feeling of um, kind of like that sense of hopelessness, you know, and that sense of sadness seeing, you know, our our young men and, and women, you know, and our children, you know, taken their lives taken when there's so many things that the government could be doing and there's so many lawyers out there that could be standing up and, you know, supporting our mobs to be able to take these fights through the courts because the lack of accountability and the lack of justice is is just getting worse and worse to the where there's just the biggest level of ignorance I've ever seen coming from the system, you know? It's very true, and I'm so glad that you've come on to talk about it because really today's show is dedicated to all deaths in custody. And all I didn't want to really have a show just talking about NADOC events and celebration because it's not always about celebration, is it? No, well, it's not because it is sad. You know, NADOC comes from, you know, years and years ago from our mobs you know, trying to make a stand to get Aboriginal people recognised in society in the sense that 
hello, you can't just forget about us and remove us from our lands and take away our culture and steal our children and think that, you know, we're not going to survive. We're still here and you need to take note whose lands you're standing on. And then we fast forward to, like, practically 100 years later and NAIDOC, to me, you know, without disrespecting people who work hard to put on events and things like that, you know, it's just become like a, a tokenistic event where all the corporate mob and all the so-called Aboriginal elite um, get up and and award each other, you know, for things that so-called things that they've done or, you know, they create these themes that always reflect what we're doing in the activist movement, but they don't really include us or what's going on. Because we shouldn't have to have one week of the year where our culture is recognised. It should be recognised and valued every single day. And, like, with me personally, you know, I've attended the Perth NAIDOC ball a few times as a a board member of one of our local organisations that I won't mention. But if I didn't have to do that representation, there's no way I'd be paying for a board, you know, a, a ball ticket because each year the ball to me is just boring. You know, there's no real recognition of us as Aboriginal people the first couple of hours is taken, you know, all of them big noting themselves and, and thanking mining companies and body corporates that don't really do anything for our people, you know, and they thank each other for, you know, doing so-called valuable work and having these big contributions to society when the organisations that they're talking about get millions and millions of dollars of funding but it doesn't reach the grassroots people the way it should. And I don't understand how they fulfil their KPIs to continue that funding because we see from a grassroots perspective that the funding's not hitting the ground and kids are still being taken, people are still dying in the prisons, our culture still isn't even really still isn't valued and and taught in communities because everyone's going through so much trauma, there's no time to do anything else, you know? Absolutely. Like this year, you know, like I I love Ash Barty, you know, like she's a deadly, deadly sportswoman, you know, and I've got nothing against her, but there are so many deadly Aboriginal people in this country that have worked hard in regards to Aboriginal rights that could have gotten that Person of the Year award. Like, she should have had Sports Person of the Year award or something. So I am... And I don't mean to pick on Ash Barty. Like, I love her, you know. She's deadly, deadly tennis player and champion. But my point is about these awards. You know, like, they these these people that are giving out these awards really need to get down on the ground and recognise those that are actually making a contribution, you know, from a grassroots level because we don't get paid to do the work that we do, you know. We don't get, you know, any um, input into the media. We don't get, you know, we're not at that elevated level where we can make things known and recognised. We have to fight from that grassroots level just to be able to try and make the little bit of impact that we do. You know, and there are so many elders that I could name that really deserve those 
awards like that, you know. I see what you're saying. Young people, you know. No, no, it's it's very important. And just finally, Marianne, what do you think about the statement of the heart and the treaty? Oh, everyone knows the statement of heart. I've I've never supported it. You know, like we've had the um the so called consultations they call yet you don't really see anyone in those those consultations, you know. Like it is just another advisory group that has no true um say in anything. It's just another tick in the box. You know, there's no um like the government don't have to listen. Like as simple as that. And I don't believe, everyone knows over the years I've never, ever supported that statement of the heart. We've got so many advisory groups. We know what needs to be done. I've always supported, you know, that we should have a black parliament, you know, that works together with the main parliament. You know, we know what we need for our issues. We don't need people um, sitting up there that aren't at that grassroots level or at that ground level that actually know what is needed and what needs to be done and where funds can be put to. And we don't need to be included in a in a constitution, you know, that doesn't reflect anything to do with the First Nations people that have survived since they stole our lands. I love you, sis. Yes, you're, ama- you're, you're great. Look, um, I've got to go on to the next interview. We're going to be interviewing Uncle Colin Isaac soon. You, do you know him? Oh, deadly. Yeah, yes, he's- He's, um, he's quite amazing as well. Um, so we'll talk really soon. I'm so glad that my job today is really to, um, to listen and just to get a diversity of opinions. Yep, yep. And that's all you can do. You know, like people deserve, people deserve to know that there is diversity in opinions through Aboriginal people right across this country. You exactly. Know? And we all deserve to be heard and listened to, you know? Absolutely. Yep. All right, Marianne. Well, let's um, let's talk soon, okay? Yep. No worries. Just have a good one, eh? Love to you and your family. Look after All yourself. Right. Yep. You too. Bye bye. Take care. Okay, see ya. Are you wondering how you can pledge your support for a three CR radio program during Radiothon? It's easy. Call us on nine four one nine eight three double seven, or visit our website at three crorgau or you can even come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FBOS. Or simply post us your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 in Collingwood 3066. And thank you for being part of 3CR's annual Radiothon. Hi, I'm Robbie Thorpe. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men and women in Victoria's prisons. Beyond the Bars started in 2002 and this year marks 21 years on air. So tune in at 11am each day during NAIDOC from Monday the 4th of July to Friday the 8th of July for the Beyond the Bars 2022 broadcasts. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au backslash beyondthebars. Stand up, stand up, stand up for your right.
and you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're going to be speaking now with Uncle Colin Isaac, who is a wonderful artist. And we just speak, finished speaking with Marianne McKay, and she was talking about how she really opposes the statement from the heart, and so do a lot of her own people, the Noongar people of WA. So I'm going to be having a bit of a continuation of that discussion with Uncle Colin and looking at a few other things about his art and any other things he wants to talk about. Hello, Colin. Welcome to the program. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's really good to have you. Um, pleased to be talking on the radio to you. Yeah, speak. Can you speak up a little bit, Uncle? Oh, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, oh, no, it's a pleasure being talking to you. Yeah, where can we go from here? <laughs> well, um, can you just introduce yourself and tell us what right. land you're from? Right. I'm a digital artist. Uh, living in Botany Bay. Um, Botany Bay's proper name is Camo. And um, I'm um, trying to um, inspire the arts and the culture from uh, next generation. And um, I'm associated with the Mile Creek Massacre Site Memorial as well. And um, I do a lot of social talking with uh, uh, Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal peoples and um, when it, uh, in relation to statements who they are. And what, what, what I'm finding is there's a, a lot of objections to it, and especially the quotations and spiritual notion. In my realm, that notion is real, not a notion. It's, um, I suppose I'd just, uh, like most people, I don't understand the full concept of what they're trying to get across other than it doesn't suit the Aboriginal peoples. That's just what I've been, I've been asked uh, by um, one of the local councils to come and explain it to the councillors because they don't see it the uh, way it's been written. They see it as um, a load of nonsense, really. And if it's, quote them. And um, me, myself, I see it as uh, denying us of a lot of future rights that we currently um, have, as well as what we need to have. So when you say rights, can you talk a bit, talk a bit more about that? Well, this way. In my mind, I'm a sovereign citizen of the Bidjigal Nation, and seeing that it was my nation invaded first, I want to have my voice heard and um, be able to put my input into it. When they done this statement to the art, uh, they didn't go around and see all the other nations. It's a select few that were selected, and it's like um, when they put out the uh, first uh, statement, and it's called the Uluru Statement, but they never asked permission of the Uluru people themselves use their name, and it was all a bit of a propaganda thing. I believe that a lot of the clans weren't consulted. No, that's what I'm saying. uh, It wasn't culturally correct, uh, nor was it politically correct, the way they went about it. Uh, Me, myself, uh, I'm a sovereignist. I'm a Rodian owner. And I believe I have more rights to put in and more say to have a say than what's been said in that statement. It's like um, 
there's a lot of misconception in it. And who was it written for? It ain't written for us, the way I see it. Um, I suppose what it is is because uh, I've been uh, I'm fighting the struggle for the last 50-something years, and I really don't see the um, significance of it if it hasn't got uh, culturally correct input as to negotiations with the tribal elders of those positions, you know, like we all have a beautiful country, but I'm not going to talk on behalf of my neighbours. I want them to talk. I will talk on behalf of my tribe. Yeah. The position my rank allows me to talk. Mm. Tell us more about that. Well, put it this way, I'm happy. Uh, everyone might call me elder. I consider myself a young elder. Um, I will not overstep the boundaries of my elder. If they have a say, I mightn't agree with it, but they had to say, I'll go along with it. But I'll make it clear, the political understanding interpretations haven't got enough uh, Aboriginal influence, nor direction. It's, uh, the people who read it, uh, they were paid to write it. Uh, that's fine, but... Um, so, like, for instance, I lived up in the Gummeroy Nation for 40 years in, at Inverell, and uh, we never got a look in. You know, we were going around putting that together. Um, so I find that my rights uh, there have been diminished in the statement of the art. doesn't go far enough, let alone say the right wording, it needs to be uh, looked at again and have everybody ever say. It's, um, and what they want to do the statement of their heart and then they want to talk treaty next. And I've got to ask who's experienced in that treaty and did they talk to us and did they consider all the uh, pros and cons to a treaty? In which case I think a lot of people do not have an understanding of it. And what rights do we give away signing it of our children's children? Also, if the government doesn't recognise us as a sovereign people for which part of the country we come from, uh, what are we signing? It's not a treaty between two sovereign nations. It's, uh, as it's uh, written down, it would appear to see that the government is the sovereign group and we're the um, tokens in between. So we're signing something that we're not recognised as the sovereigns. You know, it's like... Um, I'll give you a good example. Where they, all right, they acknowledge Marbo, they give him all the rights, and at the end of the day, they took native title back because some mining company wants to mine up there. So where's the right of sovereignty in that argument? And um, anything else? It's like, um, well, the current government is running with statement of the heart, but that's really came in during the uh, coalition period, and they're following through with it. Now, before it goes any further, it should be pulled up. It should be considered to um, have all the nations have a bit of input into it and be agreeable to it before it's been put out there. 
his statement was put out before they even got to negotiate with everybody. They might have talked to uh, a few people, but there were a lot of areas where they never approached anybody. Colin, can I ask you a question? And it's something that I've always wanted to not really ask, but but talk about with 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 a First Nations person, particularly an elder. I wanted to know, like, I a referendum about this doesn't sit well. No. Am I being difficult here by mentioning this? No, you're being supportive of your rights. Why do Why do we need to have a referendum about well, the constitution? I just don't understand. Why that would need to be? Well, in one part it does, in one part it... Yes and no, uh, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Put it this way. Uh, when it was written, it was white Australia policy, and we were the floor and corner. Now that we're recognised as a part of the um, the whole of Australia, but still not Australian citizens, then by that token, we need to revisit that constitution as to... Who are we? That part of it was good. Yeah. The, um, like I said, it's a thing where... Um, oh, I'll have to give you a reference to something else that will give you an idea. Uh, for all the struggles that we've had trying to get to this point of sovereignty, um, we've never been able to get past a certain point. And at one stage, we do get past that because of a bunch of artefacts um, that have been liberated from a massacre site. <laughs> so, um, well, they were stolen from the massacre site, they were liberated later, that's what I'm saying. But that court case allowed us to be acknowledged and identified as a sovereign people. But in law, Australian law... We're still not down as sovereign anything because we're not on the Constitution. Now, like, I'm not a great fan of the Constitution, but Constitution we have and the world has it as such. Uh, so we need to be identified as a part of the Constitution to acknowledge that we're sovereign and have equal rights and equal say to what affects the continent of Australia and the people in it, and more, more so our own growth. Um, like, um, if I'm looking at the way governments in the past have treated us, we're children. I don't need to be nurtured and treated like a kid at my age. What I need is to be heard and um, encouraged to uh, bring others in with me but I can't do that if I haven't got all my rights acknowledged. You know, I'm so glad that you've explained all this, um, Uncle, because it's it's so important. The reason why I mentioned referendum is because there's good there's good about it, but there's also a little bit of, uh, you know, caution as well yeah, of the well, way it's done. Yeah, it's, what you've got to ask is what are we giving up? Correct. How much they are taking. Now, what we really want to know is how much of that did they give them back? Like, they, all right, most countries that have been invaded or occupied, the law of the land is still the law of the land. The occupying force is laws are woven in between or dominant over top of that. 
if we uh, on that ref- um, sorry, if the referendum goes through and we go through with the constitution argument, then we need it to have the characteristics of Aboriginal Australia fermented all the way through it, not just on one part that they think uh, is um, well, what would you say of interest to us? Right. Um, this country is capitalised on the grief, murders and mayhem that they've caused all the generations. And at the end of the day, um, the only reason we're up to this point now is because of all the uh, people, we could call them um, nationalists, Aboriginals, that supported the cause and got up and demonstrated and made an effort. Uh, in today's world, it's a case of everything's acknowledged. We got made uh, off week and all that, and that's, that's pretty good. It's encouraging to our kids to get up and stand up and be proud of who they are and where they come from. More so, to keep the culture alive within the generations to follow. Yeah, as an artist, that's what I do. I'm trying to encourage and influence the younger generations. Where can we view your work, um, Uncle Colin? Oh, well, at the moment it's on a website. Could you tell uh, us the website? Yes, it's um, New Age Multimedia. And um, they're based in Gilgoy uh, on the New England Tablelands. Um, apparently I'm back in Sydney, so I'm here. Uncle, I think um, what we're going to have to do is arrange this interview in two parts. So yep. I'm wondering if we could do another interview next Monday because Joe, who's who's a beautiful, beautiful person who has helped me over the years to organise um, people from um, the Mile Creek Massacre like yep. event to talk to me, Yep. We're, someone else is going to be joining us next Monday. She's arranging that for me at the moment. But would you be able to come back next Monday as well so that we continue our discussion? No, that's no problem. Great. Let's have you on for 4 o'clock next Monday and we will continue this discussion because because it's, it, it is really important. I've actually got someone coming on very soon um, talking about refugees, but I feel like we've only just scratched the surface. So can we make that arrangement now, Colin? Can you put that in your diary? Yep. Done. Four o'clock next Monday, we are going to continue our discussion and I'd like to ring you tomorrow actually to to plan that and map that out of what we're going to talk about because I feel like I just need to know a lot more. No, that's been my honour and privilege to um, participate. All right, um, Uncle. Well, I look forward to next Monday at four o'clock to continue our discussion. Done, very well, Ben. All right, talk to you soon. Right on. Take care. Yeah. And that was Uncle Colin Isaac, who will be joining us next Monday as well to speak about, speak further about treaty and also about his um, his wonderful art. Three CR Radio Thon fundraiser, three to seven PM Saturday, twenty third of July. Uprise Radio and Stick Together join forces bringing you an afternoon of discussion and music. Climate, 
Capitalism and the Future. Zelda Grimshaw from Block Aid Australia. Dr Colin Long, sustainability campaigner from Victoria Trades Hall. And Anthony Kelly from Melbourne Activist Legal Service. Followed by tunes from local legends Liz Thomas and Maxine Fink. Followed by Sooty Owls. Refreshments, raffle and fun. Climate, capitalism and the future. Uprise Radio and Stick Together event. 3CR fundraiser. Saturday, July the 23rd, 3 to 7pm. Black Spark Cultural Centre, 253A St George's Road. Tram 11 will get you there. Stop 30. $10 solidarity. No one turned away. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're going to be speaking now with David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective. Hello, David. Welcome to the program. Hello, Marisa. Good to speak to you again. It's lovely to have you. Um, it's lovely to speak to you. And thank you so much for your donation as well for the, um, the Radiothon. That's okay. Well deserved. Thank An you. investment in the future. Absolutely. Now, David, um, we've got a bit to get through. So, first of all, you were at the rally for um, Mr. Walker, the young teenager who was murdered by police. We won't talk too much about that because I, I want to try and get some First Nations um, elders to discuss it. But I'd just like to hear your perspective um, of what happened at the rally and who the speakers were and and just give us a little bit of background of why it was called and, and the date. Yeah, sure. Well, it was um, oh, two weeks ago now, I think, um, on, on maybe even three weeks. I'm sorry, I've forgotten the exact date. But it was on the weekend a couple of weeks ago and it was called, um, the rally was called as part of a National Day of Action, which was called for by the elders in Yundamu, which is in the Northern Territory. And Yundamu is where uh, Kumanjai Walker was shot. Um, technically, we can't say he was murdered because Constable Zachary Rolfe was found not guilty of murder, but it's agreed by everybody that Constable Rolfe shot Mr Walker and killed him. Um, and unfortunately, a jury found Constable Rolfe not guilty of murder and other charges. It's not worth noting that although it was in the Northern Territory where there is a very substantial First Nations population, there were no Indigenous people on that jury. So the Yuendamu elders uh, called for rallies in as many places as possible to demand essentially the disarming of the police because if uh, Kumanjai Walker had been taken into custody um, without being shot at point-blank range, clearly um, he would still be facing problems, but he'd be alive today and able at some point to go back to his family. So there were rallies around the country in Yundamu, but also in, in, in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, and, and in other places. And the rally here um, was a couple of hundred people. It was a good showing. And uh, the first speaker was um, uh, Robbie Thorpe, and Robbie gave, as ever, a really rousing, angry speech denouncing racism and colonialism and the whole situation that a, 
leads to horrific situation, uh, horrific outcomes like this. Um, he was followed by another Indigenous speaker who I'm afraid, I can't remember his name, but a very proud Yorta Yorta man who similarly made a very strong and, um, uh, and, and, and passionate speech. And after the crowd had heard from those two First Nations voices, Lucy Honan from uh, the socialist group Solidarity spoke, and Lucy had been involved in times past in the campaign against the Northern Territory intervention. And Lucy put that shooting in, into that broader context of the way in which um, uh, Indigenous people in the Northern Territory have been repressed uh, and had their rights taken away from them, their ability very often even to stay on country and so on because of the Northern Territory intervention. And so this shooting was uh, not a direct consequence, but it comes about in a situation where Zachary Rolf could boast to his mate that it was cowboy country in the Northern Territory. Um, people like him could get away with pretty much anything he liked. Um, he was uh, he, he was somebody who ex-military and uh, went into the police force in the Northern Territory. I think partly because he knew that really people like him could get away with things. And unfortunately, the policeman he, you're talking about. This is the policeman, Consta Constable Rolf. That's it. Uh, it uh, he. Uh, the evidence which was suppressed during the trial said Alberta had been released. Um, he texted friends in the army, the good thing, and they were talking about Alice Springs, it's like the Wild West, fuck all rules in the job, we just get to do cowboy stuff. It was also suppressed, but the jury didn't hear this, um, that Rolf had been in trouble for previous assaults on Aboriginal people, um, that he'd lied under oath in the attempt to cover up an, an assault. We know these things now, but the jury didn't know them at the time that they delivered. So in the minds of the Yungamute community and, of course, many, many people across the country, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, this was tantamount to murder. It was certainly a police killing which was not justified. And Ned Hargraves, who was one of the elders of the community, said, there was no justification and the gun should be taken off the police. So that's why we gathered in, in Melbourne a few weeks ago uh, to support that National Day of Action. And uh, I'd just like to pay tribute to um, Izzy and a few other crew from uh, uh, often active around the, the WACA group and so on. I'd like to pay tribute to them for putting on the rally and making sure that we heard from strong, passionate First Nations voices. Indeed, and there was there were lots of um, other rallies all across the country. The other speaker was Jason Tamaru, I believe, and okay, I think he's I done some, some work yeah. in the arts, which is fantastic. Thank you so much, David. Now, could you just um, – you gave a really concise summary of, of what ha happened, and I wasn't able to go to that rally, but I really wanted to follow up um, and just talk about that. Could we move on now to what's happening with refugees and asylum seekers? Um, and I believe there was some – it didn't happen in the end, but Border Force, Australian Border Force, were terrorising, were they? Some, um, 
some men in some of the detention centres and threatening to deport them recently. Is that right? Well, there are 12 men who are held, some of them in Mitre, which is up in Broadbent Meadows, which is the detention centre in Melbourne, some in Yonga Hill, which is the detention centre in Perth. There's a dozen of them. I know that some are from Bangladesh. I'm not sure if they're all from Bangladesh, but they, they may well be. Um, and they've basically been told by Australian Border Force, you're, you're being sent back to Bangladesh. Now, they don't want to go. At least two of them have reached out to the Refugee Action Collective and asked for support. And as uh, my colleague in RAC, Margaret Sinclair, said, if they were safe to go back uh, to Bangladesh, does anyone think they would have stayed more than 10 years in Australia's detention system? So we're talking about people who have been locked up um, in detention by Australia for more than 10 years and now being told they're going to be forced to go back to Bangladesh. Now, if they were safe, they would have gone back a long time ago uh, because being in detention in Australia is uh, no picnic. It's no fun at all. And people do it only because they know or they fear that the alternative is much worse. So Refugee Action Collective organised a, at very short notice, a picket of the office of Claire O'Neill. And Claire O'Neill is the new Home Affairs Minister. So she's really got the, the power over this, over border force and these operations. And she's a Melbourne MP. Her office is down on Clayton Road in Clayton. And on Thursday last week, Refugee Action, uh, Refugee Action Collective, or I'll just say RAC, it's easier, um, RAC organised a picket at the office um, to make it clear to her that these men had friends in Australia and that she should reconsider and give them a fresh chance to make their, their claim for asylum and certainly should not be sending them back to danger. And I think this underscores the fact that with the new Labor government, there are um, a small number of achievements, some of them quite important achievements for the refugee movement, the broad refugee movement. So we've seen the Nadaslingham family go back to Biloela. Uh, Labor has promised to give 19,000 people on temporary protection visas and uh, another visa called CHEV, which is uh, similar They've offered them permanent, a pathway to permanency. We still don't know when that will start, how it will work, but there's a commitment there. And there's a few other things that Labor's committed to, but we really still have a lot of battles still to, still to fight. To give you an example, the family that's gone back to Biloela, not to who are lots of celebration of the community turning out to welcome them, they're on bridging visas. And bridging visas are temporary, and for many people, they restrict them their rights to either work or study and sometimes both. Now, that family absolutely deserves to have a permanent, permanent set of visas right now. Labor's hinted that that will happen, but they're still being asked to wait and wait and wait before that determination comes down. And there are tens of thousands of people on bridging visas in this country and every six months, the visa has to be renewed, which means they're constantly on edge. And RAC is campaigning for all those people on bridging visas to have permanency, perm right to, to, to permanent, visa, permanent visas. Absolutely. And there are other people we're campaigning for. We're campaigning for the refugees who have been left behind in Papua New Guinea. 
the refugees left behind on Nauru. Australia is spending $3 million a year per person to keep a little over 100 refugees and asylum seekers detained on Nauru. And, and turning back the boats too, sorry to interrupt, turning back the boats too, David, with, with, with the Tamils. Why oh, is Labor still having the turning back the boat policy? Well, uh, Labor has unfortunately committed to Operation Sovereign Borders and the fantasy or the, the made-up story that turning back the boats is about saving lives. But the people at the moment, we, we know of four boats which have come from Sri Lanka and have been turned back, and Rack is campaigning against boat turnbacks and saying when people get on rickety fishing boats and cross the Indian Ocean, it's for a bloody good reason, and we should welcome them and uh, give them safe haven. Labor's doing it because they're scared that they will be seen as being soft on borders and soft on refugees. But actually, far from saving lives, they're, they're, they're committing, they're, they're leaving people in more dangerous circumstances. Indeed. Uh, I mean, Tamils in Sri Lanka have faced uh, oppression now for many, many years. Muslims, actual Muslims in Sri Lanka are absolutely the bottom of the social pecking order. And Sri Lanka is in freefall economically. It's out of petrol, it's out of fertiliser, schools are closing, um, people are suffering from substantial hunger, and yet when people protest on the streets, the government has thrown troops and police at them and sometimes have, sometimes have shot people on the streets. And it's absolutely scandalous that Claire O'Neill went to Sri Lanka. Her first act was to go to Sri scandalous. Lanka. Scandalous, yep. She, she didn't go there to show solidarity with the people fighting back against poverty and hunger. She went there to give money to the Sri Lankan government. And that's the government that is driving people to desperation, uh, desperation that means they got on boats to come to Australia. So if Claire O'Neill and Labor were serious about helping people in Sri Lanka stay safely in their homes and not risk a boat journey, they would actually be raising their voices for the overthrow of the government of Sri Lanka, not giving them millions of dollars um, of, of aid. Yeah, and in the same way that Penny, the Foreign Minister Penny Wong, Labor, um, talks about a Pacific family, well, what about West Papua and how they're being oppressed by Indonesia? Absolutely, and Australia is very, very quiet on that because um, the Australian government is more interested in being friends with Indonesia and standing up for the rights of West Papua. And um, the good thing is, and I'm, I'm getting this really from Twitter feeds as much as anything else, there has been a series of really big, peaceful, but determined mobilisations by the people of West Papua for independence. Um, and I think incredibly heartening. I think all of us should be giving solidarity to those movements. Um, and uh, because at the end of the day, the people of West Papua have the right to self-determination. And not, it's not something that RAC particularly campaigns around, but I think all good people, all progressive people, should be raising their voices for the people of West Papua in, in solidarity. We, we, we all should uh, be waving the Morning Star flag and telling the Australian government to support people's right to self-determination and national, national independence. 
David, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Do you have any final comments before we finish? Uh, RAC has a couple of events coming up. Look, all the details are a bit much, so I'd tell people, go to our Facebook, uh, RAC Refugee Action Collective Victoria, but we have a forum next week where we'll hear multiple voices, including people from Indonesia and Papua New Guinea, talking about their situation, and we'll be making the argument that Albanese said on election night, no one will be left behind, but there are many, many refugees currently left behind, and we'll be hearing from them next Monday night at uh, 6.30. And then shortly after that, on the 19th of July, we'll be having an action in the city, because the 19th of July is the ninth anniversary of the shameful decision by Kevin Rudd, the then Labour MP, uh, Prime Minister, to say that no-one who came by boat would settle in Australia. So everybody who's arrived in Australian waters or on Australian islands from the 19th of July, nine years ago, up to, to this day, is in limbo because of Kevin Rudd. So we'll be out on the streets again saying, give permanent protection to people fleeing from danger. And when's that? Where? It will we'll meet at the State Library on the 19th at 5.30pm. The 19th of what, David? July? No, 19th of July. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. Yeah. So 19th of July. Uh, yeah. We'll be meeting at the State Library at 5.30. We'll have a couple of speakers and then we're going to do a candlelight walk down Swanson Street because it'll be dark by then uh, down to St Paul's Cathedral. David, it's been a pleasure having you. I've really enjoyed your company and we'll be talking again very soon, I hope. Okay, thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And that was David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective um, speaking about a number of issues. And I wanted to also give out a very, very special cheerio to Izzy who organised the Melbourne Rally as part of the National Day of Action for Mr Walker. It's approximately 4.52 and if I'm, hopefully I'm going to be having time to read out some of the donations um, from the Radiothon for the Do and Time show. We met our target. Yay! Are you wondering how you can pledge your support for a 3CR radio program during Radiothon? It's easy. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit our website at 3cr.org.au. Or you can even come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FBOS. Or simply post us your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 in Collingwood 3066. And thank you for being part of 3CR's annual Radiothon. And you're back with the Do and Time show. It's approximately 4.53. And I wanted to take this opportunity to really um, read out the donations in full of who donated to the Do and Time show. We more than met our target. We actually got a total of $861. So thank you so much to all our listeners and um, programmers and staff that donated. So the first um, person I wanted to thank was Monique, and she donated $30. Kate donated $100. Cheryl and Claus donated $60. Um, Rob and myself donated $100. Georges Alexandra donated $25. And Istra donated $60. Amanda donated $10, sorry. Juliet donated $20. 
Gray donated $51. Vivian Langford donated $100. Zeb donated $10. Pierre donated $100. David was $50. Thank you so much to everybody. Gab, $20. Leah, $50. Georges donated another $10. Anne donated $10. Pillar, $50. And thank you so much. Um, I really, the Doing Time Show, and I speak on behalf of the Doing Time Show, really appreciates all the wonderful um, donations that came in. And we'll be bringing you even better, better media um over the next year. So thank you to all our guests. Thank you to Marianne McKay, who is um, a proud um, Noongar woman who came on the show. And also thank you to Uncle Colin um, Isaac as well. And also David Glantz from the Refugee Action Collective for coming onto the show. And they talked about a range of issues. Um, and basically we're, we're talking about NAIDOC week as well. Please don't forget to tune in to the 3CR prison broadcasts. Um, it's all on the 3CR website there. So we're going to be going out with our theme, theme song pretty soon, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. And um, thank you once again to all our guests. Stay attuned every Monday, 4 to 5, for the Doing Time show. Bye. Take care of each other.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.